Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to the SoxProspects.com podcast. We are the web's number one source for information on the Boston Red Sox farm system from top to bottom, from Fort Myers to Pawtucket, or I guess just Pawtucket to Pawtucket, or wherever Tristan Costas was training to Pawtucket, and all stops in between. Worcester, right? No? No. Mm. Sorry, I interrupted. Keep going. You did. It's fine. Uh, But thank you all for listening. I'm Chris Hatfield. I'm the executive editor of SoxProspects.com, and I'm joined, as always, by the interrupting director of scouting, Ian Cundell. Ian, um, speaking of Worcester, here's a here's a better intro than the one we just scrapped. Did you see the Worcester Red Sox uniform reveal, and what were your thoughts? Uh, there were a lot of uniforms. That was <laughs> there, were <laughs> there were seven. There were seven. I kind of think that'd be sweet if they wore a different one every day, though. Kind of be on that. Like, have a Monday Dolphin. uniform, a Tuesday uniform, like a Wednesday uniform. You could go to the game, and you know like what day it is based on the uniform. Exactly. Like that, I, I think that's genius. Actually, we should probably remove this, and you know, well, so yeah. people don't steal our idea. But um, no, I mean, they were fine. I, I'm interested to see what they look like on the minor league players next year because we don't know if there's going to be minor leagues or anything. Who knows? So who I don't knows? know if there are going to be even be minor league players. So we don't know who will be wearing it. But um, hopefully there is. So dude, we'll how see them in action? How funny would it be? Not fu- it wouldn't be funny. But it would not if Rhode scary. Island had the last laugh and was like, ha ha, good thing we didn't build you that new stadium because you're not playing anyway. <laughs> How awful would that be? But like, yeah, I mean, we really need the uh, the I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it a little later, but these minor league MILB negotiations or major league MILB negotiations don't seem very pretty. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually kind of funny. Ben Crockett had uh, so they, they've been doing down at the alternate training site, by the way, kudos to the Red Sox organization for allowing the folks in Pawtucket to live stream the simulated games from McCoy Stadium at the alternate site. That's it's incredible. It's, it's not everyone is doing that. No one's doing it. They're the only I, team. I think doing I it saw there's day. yeah, there's only they're the only team doing it every day. I, someone was streaming tonight. I think the, the Dodgers, Dodgers. And the White Sox. The Dodgers and the White Sox streamed inner squad games tonight. Okay. But every they're the only team that's doing it consistently and it's incredible. Yeah. Well, cuz I think the reason they started doing it is every team like they all agreed to start sharing video from their training site with each other, I believe. They did, but the Red Sox have been doing it the entire time, so. Well, no, but I'm saying like like a tape, like a tape exchange, like college sports. Oh, yeah, so like that, I wonder exchange. if that's why other teams are starting now because yeah. it's not a secret anymore. That's a right. good point. Right. I just, I, I mean, we've mentioned it, but it's just the Red Sox doing that has just been, it's been so great. I've watched more of that than I have the Major League team. Well, part yeah. It's been like, I know it's not, minor league baseball and it's weird and there's not outfielders and blah 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 but it's just really (laughs) nice and it's just nice to be able to watch 
of minor league baseball and, you know, see some guys, see the changes some certain guys are made. And, you know, it's it's given us something to work with, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. And, I mean, good for them for letting the Pawtucket franchise – I mean, they have a sponsor. Like, there's a Bank of America ad that runs during it. Like, you know, good for the Pawtucket Red Sox, by the way, for bringing the entire three-man booth. And, I mean, we talked about it last time. But, yeah. I but mean, if you haven't checked it out, it's on yeah. their Twitter, uh, at Paul Sox. You can check it on their Facebook, Periscope, and I'd highly recommend it. You know, their announcers are great. They give you really good insight. Like, the announcers talk about the TrackMan data. They talk about what they've been seeing because they watch more than just the game. It, mm. It's really good. And so the point I was getting to, now that I remember it, is um, so they'll do interviews, not after every game, but after, you know, some of the games they'll have, like, a player and a coach. And so they've been rotating the coaches in. It hasn't been Billy McMillan every day. It's been, like, McMillan one day, Paul Abbott the next or not the next day, but the next interview session. Um, Rich Gedman, another day. Bruce Crabb, another day. Um, and then it'll be they'll rotate in which player it is. And actually, today they had Ben Crockett um, do do the interview, and he was on for about half an hour. And I actually I asked him, I'm like Ben, what? And I'm like, you know, this may not even be a fair question because who knows what happens between now and then. But like, in planning for next year. What are you guys even talking about? Because players are just like literally every player has had their year interrupted in some way. Literally every single one. You don't even know how many affiliates you're going to have and where they're going to be. And you don't even know what you're going to have next year. And he, he brought up the point of response like we're hoping to have some kind of fall program. We don't know if we will. You know, so maybe some kind of winter program. Like someone asked him about winter ball. He's like, the winter ball leagues are still trying to figure their stuff out. We're not planning on it. Like, it'd be great if we could send guys there. But, like, they're still trying to figure out if they can play. Um, you know, I asked him earlier in the call, like, what are you doing with all the guys who aren't at the training site right now? Is it, like, Zoom? Is it, you know, a group Zoom calls? Is it, you know, just exchanging data? And he's like, it's all of that. You know, with pitchers, we, we ask them to try and work out somewhere that's got a Rapsodo and a TrackMan, and they send us the data, you know, with hitters. You know, go somewhere where they've got the TrackMan, where they've got, you know, a slow, like a high-speed camera, you know, and send us that data, and we work with them, and we give them programs. Um, and it's just, it's incredible what they're having to do right now. And he's like, look, there's no playbook for this. Um, but it, it's interesting. It was really interesting to hear what he had to say. Um, and it was, it was just really insightful, but yeah, it's just, it's, we're in the wild west right now between this year and next. It's a unique time to be following the system. It's a unique time, you know, to be on their side of things. And so we're, we're glad you guys are all along for the ride. And if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash socks prospects. You can uh, pledge a certain amount per episode and you get some perks from it. And as always, we want to shout out our $5 level Patreon supporters. That's Kyle Costigan, Tyler Woodrow, Jeff Trainer, David Nardone, Tim Harding, Bill Stanton, Deb Kendall, Evan Kirkwood, Hurricanes 1, Chris Fox, James O'Hara, Nathan Kenyon, Andrew Wallen, David B. Ben Burnett, Al Mendel, Kevin Catrides, Ben and R.I., Paul Denyer, Lendl Martin, Cassandra Bukta, and James P. McMahon. And as always, send your email, send your listener questions to podcast at SoxProspects.com. We want to talk about what you want to hear about. And we've got a bunch of your emails today, and I have to apologize because some folks sent emails to, for example, podcasts at SoxProspects.com, plural, works. Like, I'll still get it. But I have a filter for podcast, singular, at SoxProspects.com. 
Um, so if you sent an email to podcasts or if you sent an email to my personal email, the, the tag didn't get put on it. And so I've missed a few and I realized that recently. So we're going to get some, um, some, uh, older emails, some, some back issues, I guess we're going to do some catch up on some of those. We got some new ones and it actually kind of works out well because one of the emails that I missed works out because it's the trade deadline. We got a lot of trade deadline talk to talk about. We've got, uh, Tristan Casas talk. We've got a trade that's been made, a trade or trades that might happen. Uh, I just got a notification, Ian, that came across my phone that says the Red Sox are, quote, open for business. They are, Boston, reportedly willing to retain significant salary. Andrew Benintendi available. Not surprised, honestly. As he should be. As he should be. Um, we might as well one, start. Another one just came through was... Uh... John Heyman on his podcast today said he think there's a 20% chance Xander Bogarts is traded and a 25% chance J.D. Martinez is traded. So do you want to start there? Because that's kind well, of no, a bomb we, should, we, we can't really we, we walk away start, from. We, we, we should start with like the trade that happened probably. Or do you want to do that? Let's well, do the let's, trade that happened. You're just going to throw that out there? We're, we got to yeah, make him wait? Yeah, I mean... All right, we're going to make him wait. Okay, so... <laughs> got to get the ratings up. Saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> got to keep the ratings up. Um, yeah, all right, so the trade that happened. Uh, the Red Sox got the trade deadline started by moving uh, Brandon Workman, the last player in the in the system from the 2010 draft, and Heath Hembry, who they, of course, had acquired from the Giants in exchange for... Why can I not remember? I know they got him with Edwin Escobar. Was that the PV deal? Heath Embry? Yeah. Uh, Heath Embry was acquired. He was the... Jake Peavy. Was it Peavy? I thought he was a different trade. Let me look. I thought he was like Alejandro Deaza or something, but I don't know. No, Deaza, uh, they got Yisla. They got oh, Luis Yisla. Yeah, you're right. It was. It was Hembry uh, and Edwin Escobar for Jake Peavy. Good call. Go me. Um, yeah. So they went off to Philadelphia where... The night after the trade, Brendan Workman promptly blew a save. Um, and, of course, Matt Barnes promptly blows a save on the Red Sox side. So everybody loses. Well, no, then the next night, though, uh, Hembry got a 1-1.2 in, inning hold. And then Workman na- navigated around the Freddie Freeman play at the plate to end the game. Or the Freddie Freeman double, which ended up in a play in the plate to end the game. So he didn't blow a second save in a row. So, that was why do you know why they were eligible to play right away? Like why they didn't have to go through intake? Oh yeah. Oh, probably because they drove. Maybe. No, they would have had to drive to Atlanta. Well, where are the great... the Red Sox were in Baltimore? That's a great question. I mean, maybe there's like a bypass if they fly private or something. I don't know. Because, like, I mean, for example, another transaction that happened that we're not going to talk at all about. but Christian, the, Christian Arroyo. Yeah, the Red Sox claimed Christian Arroyo yeah. off waivers. And he didn't he, – he took, like, five days for intake or something. Yeah, that's a weird one. I don't know. It's a very fair question. But, um, yeah, so they traded them. Who did they get in return? In return, the Red Sox received two right-handed pitchers, Ian. Um, they received Major League right-hander Nick Pavetta. And minor league right-hander Connor Seabold. And as our director of scouting, would you like to tell us briefly about the two players? Tell us what they've won. Uh, yeah, sure. I, 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 well, I think at first 
I'm very much in favor of this trade. I like I it too. I think I should be, be on the record about that. I like it too. Oh, and actually, we uh, should, you know what we should say? Let me interrupt you real quick. Mm-hmm. The trade was actually Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry, cash considerations, and a player to be named later or more cash in exchange yes. for Pavetta and Siebold, which is important because we're going to get back to the cash part. But yeah. the player, uh, but the return. But yeah, no, I, I really like the return for the Red Sox. And I, I mentioned it on Twitter. Um, but talking to scouts, uh, they really liked it for the Red Sox as well, mainly because of Connor Siebold, which is interesting because he, I'll be honest, he was not someone I'd heard of before that day. (laughs) I'd heard of him. I just didn't know anything about him. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, I look back at my notes. I've actually seen him pitch before. Um, I didn't write down very much, but I, I had seen him, um, where, but, uh, in Portland. Oh, in Portland. Um, Okay. But that would have been this year. Uh, last year. Or like, well, yeah, yes, fair. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, I, I, it was interesting. So er, there were some rumblings on Twitter about how the Red Sox or the Phillies were looking for bullpen help and the Red Sox and Phillies may be talking. So I just started talk, reaching out to some people and uh, Connor Seabold was a name brought up just as someone that they would target. And then lo and behold, it ended up being who the Red Sox got. So he was someone who it seems like the Red Sox really liked, and there are other fans around baseball. I know, like Jeff Passan tweeted out that scouts were talking about how much they like Seabold, and I think another writer did, one of the national writers. And if you look at his stats last year, I mean, it's they make it makes sense. You know, he was someone who uh, double A slash couple other levels because he was rehabbing an oblique injury. Uh, Fifty six point one innings, two point two four ERA, one point oh one WHIP with a fifty eight to 11 K to walk. And then I think the thing where he kind of broke out even more was in the AFL, uh, 17 innings, 1.06 ERA, 0.59 whip, 22 strikeouts, three walks. And I guess in the AFL, he just looked, it was very impressive. You know, his fastball, uh, tick up a little bit. He's usually in the low nineties, like sits around 92, but I think in the AFL, he was up to 95 full length Um, outings. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I think look. I'll look. Go ahead. So it was like four, I think four innings, five innings, four innings spurts, I want to say. But um, he showed I off a plus change, up, yeah. plus change up, which is his best pitch. It's a true like out pitch potential, um, really good arm speed, uh, throws it, you know, good separation from his fastball, um, really falls off the table late. So he's got a true plus secondary pitch, which is always good to see. And then he's even got a third pitch, which scouts I talked to threw a 50 on, you know, average slider to go with it. And he's also just just a really good pitcher type. You know, he he controls the strike zone, commands his fastball. Guys I talked to said they think he'd get to above average plus command. Um, strong pitch ability, just really good feel on the mound. Good athlete, repeats his delivery well. And, you know, when you're talking about average fastball, average slider, plus changeup, you know, above average command profile, that's a definite, like, back-end starter potentially. And um, I think that's probably like the best case outcome or that's, you know, talking to people. Um, Maybe he gets like a four or something. But then you have, you know, I think there are some other people who have some questions about his third pitch and whether he might be more a bullpen type. But I think the ceiling is definitely there for a potential starting guy. And I I just know that there are other teams who are very interested in him. So that was uh, it was as people said to me, you know, that's a great get by the Red Sox. Very good job scouting. So he seems like someone who's really exciting and. I think more importantly, he fills a hole in the system because let's be honest, mm-hmm. they just don't have a lot of upper minors pitching depth. That's something yeah. we've talked about extensively. And he's someone who I can see slotting in, you know, AAA next year with the eye towards next season making his debut. Well, that's, I mean, that's something that we talk about with the ATS right now uh, in Sim City, as Mike Antonellis calls it, which I love. But I mean, the, the pitching there, it's Tanner Houck, who we both think is a 
or who is a probably a reliever, but very interesting then, note on Tanner Houck. Apparently, has scrapped the changeup for a splitter, so that's kind of good, interesting. Which is good because the changeup is terrible. But um, I, I think though, how I mean, we'll probably talk about Houck maybe more in the next episode mm-hmm. when we talk more about uh, Sim City. Which yeah, Mike Antonell is a great name. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Houck, he just can't get lefties out. Like that's why he's probably a, a reliever. It's even if you watch the same games, his most recent one, he pitched four innings and I think he gave up six hits and five of them were to lefties. Mm-hmm. And like Jaron Duran was just hitting missiles off him, which I mean, granted he's doing that to everyone down there. But um, yeah, like as you said, Hauk's a left, Hauk's are probably a reliever and you want to keep going. Yeah. Well, there's Hauk. I mean, you got Brian Mata, who's the top prospect, top pitching prospect in the system. Paul Abbott the other day, basically the pitching coach there basically said like, yeah, he's got the best stuff of any pitcher we've got here. Yeah, he's got the best stuff, but it's just inconsistent. It's inconsistent you know? command. It's it's he yeah. loses his command. His arm slot will drop as you're going to. Have you already done the side by side on that? I know you're thinking about preparing no, the video side by side. It's it's gonna it, it'll maybe be in, maybe in September in the future. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you've got Brian Mata there. You had Kyle Hart as a starter, who's up now, and maybe that's another thing we should probably meant talk about briefly is the Kyle Hart debut. But yeah. Um, that's it. That that's really it. I mean, you've got them. Steven Gonsalves was there for a hot minute, and he got designated for assignment. But the other guys who are stretching out, I mean, Jay Groom, who but is there, but he's story. he's not there as depth for the major league team. I mean, right now the starters I have there on the org page is Groom, Mata, Chris Maza, who's really more of a swing man, but I've got him with the starters because they're keeping him stretched out because he's coming up and making starts. Pavetta mm-hmm. and Siebold. Yeah. And then, guys, you've got his swingmen. It's Dylan Covey, Matt Hall, Tanner Houck, Mike Kickham. Like, eh. Yeah. And, well, eh. then the thing is, too, it's it's they didn't really leave anyone off. No, like, there's just no one else there. Like I mean, Daniel Ward, McGrath, but, maybe, is like – or but Thad Ward, yeah. Like, Thad Ward is the big one, but even he's like – he spent – you know, he's farther away. He spent a third of a year in Salem and, like – Missed a couple of starts because he kept trying to field ground ball, like comebackers with his bare hand. Yeah. So it's just they don't have a lot of upper minors pitching depth. And so they got Seabold, who we talked about. Then Pavetta is someone who probably is more familiar. Um, he's actually he's got extensive big league experience. You know, he's made 92 appearances, 71 starts, thrown almost 400 innings in the pros. But, um, you know, he's just kind of maddeningly inconsistent. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. his stuff and everything about him says he should be really good, but he's just not for whatever reason. It just hasn't ever clicked. And, I mean, this year he's been terrible. You know, his ERA is almost 10. Well, so he – well, no, this year he's only pitched five and two-thirds major league innings. I know. I was going to get that, yeah. Well, his ERA is actually 15.88. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, his fifth is 10, right? He's given up 10 runs in five and two-thirds. Yeah, you're right. Because he – yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, no, Pavetta this year, so he, he had three very inconsistent years, and his stuff is tantalizing. I mean, he's like a six foot five guy, throws mid-90s, good breaking ball, change-ups inconsistent. Look at the strikeout but, numbers. But, yeah, he misses a ton of bats, but he just could never put it together. And this season, he, uh, he t- talked about using a shorter arm path. Um, he made some mechanical changes in the offseason, and I think part of why they have him in AAA or in the alternative site is they kind of want to get their own – spin on that and mm-hmm. they have him working with you know i'm guessing sean havlin paul yep. abbott you know, the pitching gurus and kind of working on his stuff to kind of tweak it to the way which they've done successfully with other teams yeah. yeah and actually um today uh crockett did say that both pavetta and seabold went to fenway first 
so that they could use all the really high tech gadgets they have there that aren't, the aren't at McCoy. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so that goes I, to your I, point. Exactly. So I think with him, it, you know, it's it's a worthwhile gamble. To me. They don't have you look at the pitchers they're running out this year and it's not very pretty. And he's someone that if like you can see if he can figure it out, there's a starter potential. And if mm-hmm. not, maybe you can turn him into a, a, a swing man like Jalen Beeks type who's able to pitch two, three, four innings at a time of really high quality relief. And for me, that's a, ga- a good gamble to take of, you know, three for what he's under control for three or four more years. Then you've got Siebel for six and all you gave up was Workman for a month and then Heath Embry for another year who's just, I think, a replacement level. He's uh, slightly well, he's- above. He's better than replacement level, but he's a really he's a middle reliever. Yeah, he's a he's a good middle reliever. You have to give something up to get something, but, it, but it, I trading Heath Hembry, you're not going to cry about it. I... No, exactly. And for me, that's the kind of trades the Red Sox need to be doing is you know flipping relievers for potential starters because they just don't have starters, and I think relievers are easier to find as we've seen this year. And you know, they've turned like Phillips Valdez into a legitimately good reliever. Yeah. Um, Austin Bryce is actually pretty good. You know, Colton Brewer might be something now, like. Mm-hmm. They can find those relievers, but as we've seen, it's just a lot harder to find starting pitchers. And so the reason they were able to get this deal done, I mean, I think there's a few. One thing, I mean, to me, and tell me if you agree with this, the return is one high-risk, high-reward asset in Pavetta yeah. and one low-risk, really relatively low-reward asset in Seabold. Yeah, I mean, Seabold to me, like, yeah, best case, you're looking at like a back, like a four, it's probably a five. Like, it's a back-end type. Yeah, I mean, Seabold is almost like what we thought Brian Johnson was at one point, but from the right side of, exactly. like... he's got much better stuff than Johnson did. Well, but right, yeah. but it's like he, and he's, you know, and he's got the pitchability still, and he's got the command, but, like, he, you know, he's never going to be a number two, number three, even. Unlikely. Like, he's, he's probably yeah. at best a four. He might be a five. He might just be an up-and-down guy, or, like you said, the bolt, the long guy after an opener, right? Yeah. Um, or he's a guy that you send up and down for three years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it, it, you know, he's not on the 40 man yet. So you're able to do that one because it's just kind of, you know, Pavetta could be a great get, but could be nothing they, yeah. they, he might never, I mean, not never. Um, and by the way, a note on Pavetta, if they keep him in Pawtucket until September the 19th, the Red Sox gain an extra year of control. So keep an eye on that. Um, so they would be able to retain him for an extra year. I can't imagine they don't do that. <laughs> Although it does seem like a long time to keep him down there. Uh, it just, it makes too much sense. What, um, to keep him down? To keep him down. It makes too much sense not to, eh, to, I mean, look, I don't, it's tough. If, if he's made, if he's ready to come up now and be their number two, you probably have to call him up. Yeah. I, I think it's the tough one for me is like, that's a long time. You're basically going to go in and get what two starts out of him at the end of the year and it's blatantly right. obvious what you're doing too yeah yeah like i'd almost rather if as long as he takes to whatever like tweaks they're working with him down there yeah i'd almost rather just call him up and see what you have because frankly if you get to the point where you want to keep him after the three years you did something mm-hmm. very right like yeah I'd, but it's yeah uh, i don't know it's a tough one well but it's i mean so look at it this way if you're planning on keeping him down for two weeks to work on stuff Keep him down to the nineteenth. Yeah, you're yeah. not trying to win this year. It's a fair point. At this point, I, you're I, punting. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do with him. But... I think if they think he's ready right now, then you got to bring him up. Yeah, 
So, uh, yeah. So what do you the reasons? Why do you think they got such a good return? Because around well, baseball, everyone I've talked to said they hit a home run. As we said, the national guys have tweeted about it, said the Red Sox did great. Why do we think that? Well, I mean, part of it, but the first big piece is the money. And it, yeah. what it seems like is that the Red Sox are going to be willing. It's almost like we're going back to the early aughts where the Red Sox are willing to throw money around where other teams do not have it. And unfortunately, right now it's due to freaking COVID. Yeah. Right. But the Red Sox are willing to spend money to take on players. And now you say, well, but the why they traded Mookie to get under the CBT. Okay, I argue with that point generally. But, you know, look, David Price opting out may, we don't know this, may have saved them $6 million under the competitive balance tax. Yeah. They're also willing to do things like send cash considerations, like hard cash. By players, yeah, they sent nine eight hundred fifteen thousand for this deal. Is it real? I, I didn't see the number. Yeah, it was eight fifteen, and it of, might be more. Were, it was like all, but a, they were owed like a million combined, and they sent eight hundred fifteen thousand or something. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, they're willing to send money. I mean, they actually might send more if the Phillies take that instead of the player to be named later. My guess well, is. I, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say my guess is it's they've got a list of guys they can choose from or something like that, and if they don't want any of them, they can take cash instead. It also could be something like if they make the playoffs, they get cash. If they don't, they get a player to be named later. I could see that being a thing. If the Phillies, if make, the the Phillies playoffs? make the playoffs, it's only cash. If they don't make the playoffs, they get a player because Workman will walk away. So they would want something else back. Maybe. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, maybe. I could um, see that. But I think the, the uh, this is what the Red Sox should be doing. Like, yeah, they have, got they it. are a big market team with a significant financial money, and now they have some flexibility under the CBT. Any trade they make at this deadline, they should be doing this if they can buy better prospects, in my opinion. And I think that's something that Sean McAdam and a few other beat writers have tweeted out that they're hearing that's what the Red Sox plan is, and it's absolutely what they should be doing. Like, it's a no-brainer to me. You know, when you're a big market team, you want to get maximize your return, and if the way to maximize your return is by dealing those guys, that's what you do. Sorry, it's by, it's by uh, paying off those guys' salaries. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I also think that with this trade, they did get lucky that the Phillies were desperate. Like, their bullpen yeah. is horrific mm-hmm. and was coming off uh, just a disastrous doubleheader where they blew two leads, including, I think, a 9 nothing lead in the second game or 7 nothing lead or something in the mm-hmm. second game of the doubleheader. So they got, they got kind of lucky. And that's why I think it kind of happened when it did and came out of nowhere is they were probably talking. The Phillies felt some pressure from ownership. Their GM, I guess, is might be on the hot seat I was reading. Huh. And so it was like they need to make the playoffs. We will the expanded you. playoffs. And basically they the Red Sox had a really high asking price, but they were willing to meet it. And so that's yeah. why the deal happened when it did. Right, why they didn't just wait. Because I, I saw people saying, like, well, why did they do it so early? Why didn't they wait longer? It's like because they knew this was the best deal they were going to yeah, get. I mean, the fact that pretty much like the, both the national guys and like people I'm talking to, everyone's saying they did really well, I think says it all. MLB.com put Seabold in their rankings, Ian, at 23. We don't know right where we're going to put Seabold yet, but I think it's safe to say we're going to have him. He'll be higher than that. Uh, well higher than that, right? Yeah. Um, I think, I think I mean, the highest I would put him is like nine. But you could make a case, I think between like somewhere in the nine to like, 15 range for me 9 to 14 see I could see him lower than that because I mean if you look where we've got I, guys ranked like we've got Chris Murphy at 16 Aldo Ramirez so you would definitely at least put him above Aldo Ramirez at 15 
Yeah, because like Aldo Ramirez and Chris Murphy, I think if they work out, that's what they are. They're like, you know, back end guys probably. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take the guy who's in AAA over the guys who are, you know, four years away. Yeah, that makes sense. And like Chatham, I would have much lower than that anyway. So I would have him ahead of Chatham. And I just like, I look at him. Would I rather have Tanner Halleck or Connor Siebold? I'd probably rather have Connor Siebold because I think he has a chance to start where I don't think Tanner Halleck's a starter. Like that's kind of the cutoff line for me is just, I think he's a starter and Tanner Halleck's not. And so that puts him in the top 10 for me. And then it's him versus Thad Ward. They seem pretty similar profile wise to me. And I think that's like kind of where you could make a case for Ward. I mean, I take Ward. I mean, Ward's got potential for multiple plus pitches with the cutter and slider, which are separate pitches. True. Yeah. Fastball average. Maybe maybe I'd probably put Ward until I've definitely put Ward above. It's hard not seeing Ward this year. Yeah. But um, I'd probably, I think I would say like initial without having dug deep, I think I'm going to put him 10. Ahead of Hauk, huh? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, this is the case. the thing to me is, like, if we're saying Tanner Houck's a reliever, how can we justify putting a guy who we think is a starter and everyone we've talked to or the people we've well, talked to? Well, I don't think we – I think it's because we we don't think, he quote-unquote, think he's a starter. Like, but maybe you think he's a starter, off, but, like – Going off the information we have, that's the what I would think he is. Well, so. uh, we have other info- – I mean, we've got, know. you know – yeah. Confl- yeah. So it just I mean, there's there's differing opinions. It's not universal on on him, and that's but the, fine. But I think, but even if it's not universal, it's not. It's. I think it's more. You It's there's a higher percentage chance he starts than Hauk does. Does that make sense? There's a higher percentage chance that he starts. I think there's a higher percentage chance that Hauk becomes an impact pitcher, whether it's a, as a starter or a, like late late inning reliever. I mean, when Hauk's slider is on, it's unhittable. Yeah. So I don't know, but Hauk's slider is the best pitch between the two. I mean, I haven't seen his change up, but you're probably right. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's somewhere in between the nine to like eleven range, nine to nine, ten, eleven, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's fair. I think he's probably above fifty. I think you sold me on putting him above Ramirez at least. So, yeah, we'll have to talk about where he goes. Um, yeah, and he'll he'll pop into the rankings to replace Mike Schwarin, who was designated for assignment. And frankly, even if he clears waivers and stays in the system, probably falls out. At yeah, this I mean, point, I mean, if you clear waivers right now with the amount of pitching the teams need, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, so, Schwarren just never figured it out. The lack of the third pitch with the arm slot was just a major issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he needs a change of scenery, frankly. Yeah, that could. I mean, you just you find a different pitching coach who make you know tweak something. You never know that you might be the next Ryan Presley. Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, yeah, that was an interesting get, an interesting trade. Uh, let's, I mean, what else do we think they're going to do, Ian? We're, we're, we're talking a little bit about how they're going to, they're, you know, add money to deals. Um, you know, let me get, let's do this one email. Cause it's an interesting thing to bring up right now. I think, um, this email comes to us from Harrison Harrison. Sorry. I missed this email back in the early July. He says, hello, gentlemen, really enjoy your podcasts and the incredibly informative website. Terrific work. In podcast number 186, the idea of trading with San Diego to acquire prospects along Will Myers came up again. When this was first talked about, the Red Sox were looking to get salary relief for moving David Price, and the Padres were casting around for a veteran hurler to lead their young rotation. The Red Sox were interested in names like Cal Quantrill and Luis Camposano, among others, and the Padres wanted salary relief for moving Myers. Now that the Sox have sent Price elsewhere, how do the teams match up? Specifically, what would San Diego's possible targets of the Red Sox be? I can't come up with one, at least not an acceptable one, and then in parentheses, Dahlbeck stays with an exclamation point. 
Thank you for entertaining this question, Harrison. Uh, again, sorry we, we didn't get to this till now, Harrison. I didn't uh, didn't have it in my queue. But it's an interesting thought, Ian, and, and just the, the buying players thing. Literally, with Will Myers, that's what you're doing. And, and here's the reason, just to refresh everyone's recollection, is that Will Myers costs a lot. His average annual value, which is what counts towards the CBT, is a fair amount less than his actual salary. Because of the fact that when he signed his deal, it bought out some ARB years, which he didn't get a full, you know, full, you know, whatever, however many million the base value of every other year was. So his average annual value is much lower. The idea being that if the Padres also threw in some money to help pay for his deal, you know, there was a conceivable version of the deal where Myers cost $4 million against the cap, but you were paying him 14 or something like there was a way to make it. He was cheap against the cap. He just wasn't cheap monetarily. And in order to do that, San Diego might to move that contract. They might be willing to give you young prospects. Now, you know, with the way they're going right now, slam Diego is in full effect. Might be the most exciting young team in baseball. Ian between I thoroughly enjoy watching them. Fernando Tatis, um, who, by the way, swung on another three zero count last night, up nine runs. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw that. As he, should I love be. it. I love it. I, I love it. Trent Grisham, my man, just hitting bombs. Trent he's Grisham, uh, you know, love him or hate him, Manny Machado. Uh, <laughs> well, th- this is the issue why that deal doesn't work anymore. Will Myers is good again. <laughs> well, right, right. <laughs> That's the uh-huh. biggest issue. I mean, he's last year he was two thirty nine, three twenty one, four eighteen. I mean, they saw him as kind of a sunk cost. They acquired Tommy Pham. They didn't really have a playing spot for him. Tommy Pham's now out for the year, and Will Myers has a 148 WRC plus. Like, they're yeah. not going to trade him anymore. Yeah, so that deal's not happening this year. Yeah. Um, probably not in the near future either, honestly. No. I don't know, how, how many years does Pham have left on his deal? Uh, Three, I think. It was okay. a four-year deal. So he's around. I mean, he just had hamate surgery. I mean, he's done for the year because it's a short season. Yeah. If there were a regular like if it was season, a normal he season. would have come back. Oh, no. He's actually ARB eligible still. He's got two more ARB years. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, so I, I don't see that deal happening. Um, I think the construct is right, though. The Red Sox could definitely explore like so a we'll team take that your wants bad to make contract. It. Yeah, basically they would be the team. It's like it, usually you see it. I feel like it happens more in the NBA where they're they're more or less a third team in the trade where they have cap room or they can absorb a big salary in order to facilitate that team getting a player from a different team. And they get usually like draft picks, young guys for it. Like that's what the Red Sox, I think, are positioning themselves to be. Is right. that team that let's say you know even uh, the Padres is an example maybe not Will Myers but they have someone making you know three million dollars a year who they need to get off their books to spend that money elsewhere the Red Sox would take that and say hey you give us a prospect we'll take this player on that's the kind of like I think we saw it a couple of years ago with the Diamondbacks um, and the Braves when yes. the the Bronson Arroyo trade where the Braves took on Bronson Arroyo in order to get like Tuki Tucson and something else right it was uh, it was Tuki. Who the hell was it? It was another prospect. Um, let me look. It wasn't. Uh, it was the other. They had that other trade, which was Colby uh, Shelby Miller, which was how they got what's his name, um, Dansby. Right. But it was. It was here. It was. Uh, Phil, no, oh, it, was, it was just oh, it was them. for Phil Gonsolin. It was right. Arroyo and Tukey for Phil Gonsolin. That's the type of trade I could see them doing, though. Yeah, like, like give us a. We'll take Arroyo. Give us Tukey. 
and yeah, and we'll give you Jose Peraza or something, or yeah, insert some like some dude who's not really long term valuable. Um, but yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that I could see. Um, and I think that they're in a good position because the guys that they have available, say for Jackie Bradley, I think are all on reasonable contracts. I mean, maybe we want to talk about the names a little bit, but they're all in reasonable deals, which would allow them to like absorb more coming back from those well, teams. I'm just looking at the Padres and seeing who they might. I mean, Hosmer is probably hitting well as two. Yeah, they're not going to. I don't think they're yeah. trading anyone from their start. They don't really have. I don't think the Padres match up anymore. No. No, I really don't. Unless they traded like Kirby Yates because he's not playing. He, well, he's hurt. And he's a free agent after this year anyway. He's a one-year so. deal. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you're not trading for Yates. Anyway, um, yeah. So, if, I mean, if you look at the Red Sox, basically everything not glued down is available, in my humble opinion. I think the only guys that you, you don't trade Rafael Devers, and you've got to get blown away to trade Xander Bogarts. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, there's three guys I would yeah, not trade. Probably, Devers, yeah, go ahead. Devers, Bogarts, Verdugo. Mm-hmm. I think Verdugo is playing incredible. I think he's a very good baseball player, and I, I just wouldn't trade him because I think he's someone. Yeah, you have him team control for five years. Like, it's just not yeah. smart to trade him. The argument for trading Xander Bogarts, not to say that I subscribe to it, he has an opt-out at the end of the 2022 season. For the, despite the fact he's on a long-term deal, he's got an opt-out for the end of the 2022 Let's season. Let's be honest, he's most likely opting out. If if the economics of baseball return to what they were pre-COVID, he opts out. No question. Even if he's, he's planning a, on staying, he's opting out. Yeah, he's, be a, crazy. he's a $28 million a year player. Yeah, uh, sure. 25, 28, something like that. Easily, yeah. easily. So he's opting out. If he's not traded by, I think it's early October, Ian. Yeah. A no trade clause kicks in in his contract. Mm-hmm. So this is your last chance to try and move him for value. For me, yes, okay, you think about, well, what, what about the return? The return could be so great. You could get the next pitcher. We need We need starting pitching. And I've never understood the willingness of people to rob Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. If you trade Xander Bogarts, who is your shortstop? You don't have the next shortstop in the system. I haven't seen anything that makes me think Jeter Downs is a shortstop. He's like, he's played it a little bit in the alternative side. He's a, but he's a can be. A, yeah. Everyone I've talked to thinks he's a second baseman. Good second baseman. Yeah, definitely. He's but not going to be a butcher. No, but, but he's, he's not, not a shortstop. shortstop. I mean, no. that's like Pedroia coming up. Everyone knew he wasn't going to be a shortstop. Everyone knew he was moving to second. Doesn't mean he's a bad second baseman. He's a great second baseman. No. I so think the like, same yeah, thing with they, they don't, Downs. They don't have an everyday shortstop in the system. So In the high minors, at least. I mean, right. The low right, minors, well, right. Yeah, the low but, minors yeah. they might. But. Do people but, yeah. not remember the revolving door during the time period between Nomar Garciaparra and Xander Bogarts? Will Lugo. Julio Lugo, Edgar Guentawea, Orlando Cabrera, Orlando Cabrera, Alex Gonzalez twice. Um, who else? I mean, Brock Holt was there for games for a while. Like, um, there's one funny name that I can't think of, and I need to look. Oh, Stephen Drew. Oh right, yeah, Stephen <laughs> Drew. <laughs> like what even? Yeah. Like Mike Avilas, Jed Avilis, Lowry. Jed Lowry. Well, Jed Lowry didn't play there much. Yeah, but uh, Pokey Reese, he was good, actually. Oh, Pokey was uh, just the one year. 
Yeah, and he played yeah. he, he played a ton of second too. Actually, the, the one I was forgetting was um was Stephen Drew. Stephen Drew, right? Well, I get, uh, Royce Clayton played shortstop for the Red Sox at one point. Well, Did that you... one I think that was like they signed him like literally because he was going to be a Type B free agent or something. Oh, it was two thousand seven. He got six at bats. Yeah, they That's just signed him for September. Yeah. But anyway, Brandon Phillips. Um, no, but I mean, it's look. I've got you've got a franchise shortstop. Build around the franchise shortstop, and you say, "Well, what coming for uh, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez? That that class is going to have a bunch of shortstops. You don't know you're going to be able to sign one." Well, frankly, if it other gets teams want those guys too. Also, though, it's like okay, we get to 2021, and you can sign Francisco Lindor. Great, you figure it out. You move Bogarts right. to third. You move him to second. You figure something out. Like, yeah, you can I, make I, it I, work can't count on that and yeah and it's like, like yeah i wouldn't do it like the only way they i think they would even consider it is if some team just just made like literally offered their entire farm system and was like you can cherry pick five guys whoever you want right right you That's like a, a franchise changing deal yeah like something like um what was the trade i'm thinking of uh, what the Yankees did when they when they traded Chapman, they got like Glaber tour. But no, but Chapman was a rental, so that's not even a good example. I don't think there is a comparison for this. Like, I can't think of one. Well, because teams don't. Tra- I mean, well, I mean, no. everyone's screaming at us the one, the the Mookie Betts trade, and that's not no, that's even what we're talking about. Story. That's not um, even what we're. I mean, you would get more for trading Xander Bogarts right now because you're trading more than one year of him. Oh, you would get a. You if they they made the Mookie Betts trade for Xander Bogarts, I would be. It's like the Adrian Gonzalez trade in reverse. Yeah, like, I would be furious if that was a trade that happened. Um, With Bogarts, though, like, I also think that something that needs to be discussed is not, like, taking out the return and everything. The Red Sox have clearly made it clear they want to compete next year and in 2022. If you're trading Xander Bogarts, you're not helping yourself compete next year or the year after. And I think they, I know they've been terrible this year. Don't get me wrong. It's not been pretty to watch. But I don't think this team is far away from being a playoff team. I think they need to get their pitching back healthy. Like, I'm, we could have never going into the year, you know, a Chris we've, Sale. We've discussed it. It's, yeah, with the, their yeah. rotation looked decent, but when you lose your top two guys, that's a problem. You know, Martin Perez has been very good. If Martin Perez is your four, you're very happy. As your two, yeah. or your ace, frankly, not so much. <laughs> like things like that, you can't. You have to see what this team looks like next year when it comes back. If you get Rodriguez, you get Sale back with the lineup. Like that's not the type of move they should be making. On the flip side, like someone I would consider trading who I probably wouldn't have said coming yeah. in the year is Andrew Benintendi. Like, obviously, there, there's the obvious guys, which I think are, you agree, probably are Kevin Pillar, Jackie Bradley, Matt Barnes, oh, and yeah. Mitch Moreland. Like, those are the obvious guys. Maybe you throw in, um, uh, maybe Perez is in that because he's only got an option for next year, but $6 million for him I would do in a heartbeat. He's been good. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, look, because the thing with trading Martin Perez is the same thing I just said about trading bogarts is that like you already need to get at least one starter next year exactly trading perez now you just got to go get another one exactly and like i know jd martinez maybe but i just don't think you're going to get enough to make it worth it because he can opt out after this season so i think like the two that i think are the most interesting uh, other than the obvious ones are andrew benintendi and then the other one is someone who i know you've had some takes on christian vasquez (laughs) i was gonna say i've kind of come around on the christian vasquez thing so do you want to, which the, one do you want to, want to talk about? Well, let's first? talk about Vasquez first because I came out pretty hard against trading Vasquez on the same theory oh, that I yeah. just espoused with <laughs> Xander Bogarts. And here's the part of that that I still stand by 100%. That is 
that you can I don't think you can trade Christian Vasquez without acquiring his potential successor. Because because here's the thing. There's only so much good quality MLB catching. Now, the point some have made, the Tampa Bay Rays haven't had a legit starting MLB quality catcher in years. So maybe this is a philosophy that that Heimblum is willing to bring along to the Red Sox of, look, you get two guys that can handle a pitching staff and you accept the hole in the lineup. You know, I mean, you look at the the, the Rays right now. They have Mike Zanino batting 130-something. You know, just handle the pitching staff. That, that's all you need to do. Um, I, I But that said, I've come around on it, especially if he's going to get you a nice return. Ian. Uh, if you, I don't know if you want to add your no, thoughts on Vasquez. I mean, I, I agree because... When you look at Vasquez, I think he's a very he's a good major league baseball player. I do think he kind of gets overrated a little bit, especially with at the plate. Like he's not a good hitter. I understand catcher the bar is low, and for catcher maybe he's decent or he's passable. But like this year, if you take out that three game stretch where he was carrying the offense, like mm-hmm. the Mets and everything, I don't think he's hit a home run. He's hitting his WRC plus is eighty six this year. He's hitting two fifty eight, two eighty nine, four nineteen. Like his walk rate is four percent, strikeout rate's thirty percent. He's a negative two war on offense. Like he's just not a very good offensive player. And he's I think thirty it, years old. I think already. his defense gets overrated too. Frankly, his defense is it, it's good. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but he's not like the cream of the crop defensively. He's this is the thing that surprised me. I I mentioned this to you. I completely forgot that he's thirty years old because he's been with the org since. Well, he's twenty nine. No, he's thirty. Turned 30 on August 21st. Oh, he just turned 30. Okay. Yeah. But he was drafted in 2008. Like, he's been around forever. And if someone is willing to give me a significant return for a 30-year-old catcher, I think you have to consider it. Yeah. That's true. Like, that's the thing for me is, you know, the Red Sox are kind of positioning themselves with, like, Devers, Bogarts, um, Verdugo, like, the prospects they have. Their their window is – they're positioning themselves potentially for a window that lasts longer than the next three years. And like, I don't think Christian Vasquez is part of the team in three years. So right. if I can get a significant asset for him or a couple prospects for him, like I think he's someone who makes a ton of sense for the Padres. They're running out Austin hedges who is atrocious at the plate. I think he's hitting like one eighteen this year. Great defensive catcher. Don't get me wrong, but he should be a backup. Mm-hmm. If you can swap Christian Vasquez and get like Luis Camposano and something else, or, you know, a couple of their prospects, that's very interesting to me, and I think something the Red Sox would strongly consider. Well, that's another thing. You know, when we were when the Phillies news was starting to leak and get reported, we talked about how we heard from multiple scouts that the Phillies had pretty good catching depth. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't have surprised me to see a catcher come back in that deal. Um, it didn't, but they, I mean, they got pitching depth with it, which they needed. So that made perfect sense. Well, I, th- I think the other thing is we need to remember the Red Sox is like, Ian Bloom was brought in to transform this roster. It was an aging roster that was not balanced at all with a horrible, with a bad farm system. And, you know, he's had to make some tough decisions. And I think if Christian Vasquez, it will be a tough decision. I don't think it would be well received at all by the fan base. But at uh, the end of the day, maybe it would. I don't know. It's but not like end, trading Mookie. Fair. But at the end of the day, like, if it's a move that makes them better next year and going forward, then I think it makes a lot of sense because as you said, like a good catcher is, you know, like the nationals won the world series last year with Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes as their starting catchers. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like there aren't very many good catchers in baseball. There's like two. It's like JT Ruimoto and Yasmani Grandal. You know, there's there 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 aren't very many good catchers who are both good offensively and defensively, and it's a position that has transformed to where you just want a good defender back there, and mm-hmm. they have enough. I think they can get a good enough offense you know, with some other moves to the point where it doesn't matter if the catcher is their nine hitter or their eight hitter, you know, doing nothing. Well, and and by the way, for the people who, who I've seen a lot of people whose idea on Twitter is trade Vasquez and sign JT Real Muto next year. Like the Red Sox are going to be the only team to have that idea. Yeah. I mean, a bunch of teams will will be like, they're going to be fighting against. I mean, look, if you trade Vasquez, sure. Try and sign JT Real Muto. I get that. He's been incredible this year, but like, you're going to pay top dollar for how old is Real Muto? 29. He's not young. What are you going to you sign to a about, five-year deal? You want to talk about a walk here, though? 153 WRC plus. Like, are you kidding? 612. Yeah, 612 slugging this year. Like, so, yeah, no, I, I right. mean, it's, it's, it, it, Vasquez is an interesting one. And then I think, actually, I would be, I'm pretty more pro trading Vasquez. This other player, I have no idea what to do with. Benatendi, and, yeah. Yeah, I just. I mean, I, it's you're selling it's, low. You're selling low. Well, no, that's why I think the only way I trade him is if you find someone who will give you like, you know, at like at least ninety cents of what he should have been or what you thought he was this year. Right. Does that make sense? Well, he's just been so bad before the injury. I mean, he was probably among the worst hitters in baseball. He was a negative 0.5 war in 14 games. That seems bad. That's, I mean, he, he, I mean, all the, like you talked about all of the offensive metrics, the stack has data was really bad. The stack has data was terrible. Like it was in like the bottom, like 10 percentile of everything. His strikeout rate has jumped from 22% to 32%. He can't hit, lift the ball anymore. Um, his exit velo is down four miles an hour. Like there was just so many red flags, but like, cause I know it's been rumored, like, I know one of the uh, some of the I want to say is Ken Rosenthal throughout the idea that maybe the Red Sox would talk to the Indians about trading Benintendi for Mike Clevenger. If you can get Mike Clevenger for Andrew Benintendi, I'm Dude, doing that yesterday. I'll drive him. Like Mike Clevenger does not seem like a very he he makes some bad choices it seems. Oh sure. And there's yeah. definitely some things that need to be worked on there, but they're under contract for the same amount of time. Like Clevenger has two more years after this. If I'm getting Clevenger for Benintendi, like it's a lot harder to find an ace than it is to find a guy who's a average left fielder. Like mm-hmm. he's like a fine defense. He's a fine player. But like Kevin Pillar can do the job in left field. You can find guys like that. It's a lot sure. harder to find the Mike Clevenger types. So if you can get like a good starter like that for Benintendi, I think you strongly have to, or you have to consider it very strongly. Yeah, for sure. Um, anybody else you think they could move? I was wondering if they, you know. Trading Perez is interesting, but like you said, you, you're like I said, you're creating a hole to fill another. I mean, do you um, want to? Should we briefly just talk about like Pilar, Barnes, Bradley, Moreland? Do you do you have any? any I have nothing to add. Like, yeah, you move them. Like, well, I think that yeah, Pilar is a no brainer to me. Bradley, I don't know if you can get enough to make it worth it because he's making so much money. Why not though? I mean, but he, if you he's pay just it down, walking. yeah. He's yeah. just walking. Like um, I think Barnes is under contract for next year, but the reliever market I feel like is the most active at the deadline. Teams need relievers. He's a good reliever. He misses bats, and oh, because Barnes he's under team control for next year, you probably could get more for him. Yeah, that probably. Sense? Yep. Yep. And then Moreland is like he's a really nice player, but with where the Red Sox are going, you got to see what 
Bobby Dahlbeck, Michael Chavis are. You know, I think those guys need to get the at-bats and, you know, Moreland deserves to be on a contender. I don't want him. He, I, he's not someone who I think should be wasting his last couple of years on a team or well, with this year with the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, with um, who did you just mention? Oh, Chavis, I mean. Well, we, well that's I'm, a different discussion. I'm almost yeah. out on Chavis, frankly. I mean, the, the fact that we're talking a year later about the same hole in a swing. Yeah. Um, I think I saw the other day he's like got a 100% whiff percentage on fastballs up or something like 44% K rate. Yeah. I, I mean, I think with, with Moreland though, the one thing is he does have a $3 million club option next year, which is very reasonable. Mm-hmm. So he's someone where I would probably need, like I would need more to deal him than I would like Pilar or Bradley, if that makes sense because mm-hmm. of that club option. Cause yeah. $3 million for him is fine. Yeah. And I mean, even if you bring Dahlbeck up, that's a way to ease Dahlbeck in. And then if Dahlbeck's ready to take over the first base job full time, then you move Moreland. Exactly. And their return is not going to be that different, Mm -hmm. honestly. So I I think that, like, kind of pretty much covers everyone, you know? Oh, and can we just add they're not bringing back Brock Holt? No. Oh, is this that a thing? Yeah, well, because he got designated for assignment. But why? What's the point? Like, because it's it's Brock Holt. And people love Brock Holt, understandably. I mean, great person. I would much rather. His son's adorable. Yeah, I would much rather have Zue Lin at the minimum than have Brock Holt at $3 million. Well, it would be – well, no, because the thing is since he would be – since he got DFA, it would be on the league minimum if he clears but, waivers. Oh, well, still, I'd rather have Zue Lin. Like, um, by the way, did you see Brock Holt's kid? No, what did he, he do? Griff, Griff said, he's done already. Boy, that was fast <laughs> or something. <laughs> Just savage. I love it. Uh, I mean, his kid is adorable. His kid is adorable. Griff is the best. All right. Um, But this isn't section 10. So let's move on to, I guess that's enough of the trade deadline. I mean, look, they're going to get whatever they can get at places. They have holes. Catching is a place is an area to look, look at. Pitching is still obviously an area to look at. Anything else Ian? I mean, outfield. Yeah. I mean, outfield, they need outfielders. I think, I think at this point, you know, I think you're going to see Jaron Duran before the end of the year. I think you're going to be he's auditioning for a starting role next year in center field. And yeah. you know if if Benintendi doesn't get moved then Benintendi gets another shot and left. Yeah. Um if Benintendi does get moved then you know I'm you know I'd look at maybe seeing what it's going to take to bring Jackie Bradley back for a year. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't hate Jackie Bradley on like a one year 5 million dollar deal like one or two year deal. Yeah. Um, Not like they got I anyone think, coming up he's blocking. No, I think the other thing that I I'm interested or I'd like to see is I'd like to see them if they can get rid of Jose Peraza. I'd like to see Jonathan Arouse play every day at second base. Dude, Arouse Ar- 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 has... Sorry. Jonathan Arouse. Yeah. Arouse. Yeah. Like... Yeah, he's been... Uh, you know, it's funny. We've been talking about do, are we going to do a rankings update September 1st? And I brought up the point, like, I think we got to move him up a little bit. Maybe not a lot. But, like... He's just, like... He's been... Passable, he's been the best shocking. second baseman they have i know and so like but i'm like with where they are i i kind of just want just like let him play and see what happens you know what i mean like what is jose peraza bringing to the table like nothing right now not well right now three years of team control yeah but or like two i'm not paying one. we talk about misuse of funds i'm not paying jose peraza three million dollars next yeah. year to be a bench infielder right like, he's getting non-tendered right. so yeah, I, I I think I would like to maybe see a Ruse play some more, but it's going to be interesting, you know, how different the team is, what we're talking about now on Monday night compared to a week from today. 
Yeah. You know, if we're doing a wrap up, probably maybe next Monday we record post trade deadline what right. the team looks like. I think it could be. I think if I had to guess, knowing High and Bloom's mo based on just you know what he was in charge of the Rays and what he's done so far, I would suspect there's going to be several more trades. Oh yeah, I mean they're open for business is the is the quote. I mean exactly. It's... So because yeah. this is the other thing is there are very few like no doubt sellers right now. Yeah, because, because of the expanded playoffs. Expanded playoffs. You know, it's like them the pirates and maybe like the angels, but the angels have Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. Like they can't sell. No. So it's, you and know, I mean the pirates, what do they have? Yeah. What do the pirates have to sell? Fair point. They, they, I mean, they have no bullpen, which is like the best, this is the easiest thing to sell is bullpen and all their good bullpen guys are hurt. Well, like Crick is on the IL birdie is on the IL. Keela yeah. is like just coming back. Cause if you look like uh, Kansas city, they want to be good. Detroit maybe, but Detroit doesn't have a lot to sell. The Rangers, maybe, but the Rangers want to be good. Like, the teams that are struggling are only a few games out of the playoffs and, for the most part, want to be good or have expectations of competing. So it's literally just like the Red Sox, the Pirates, and that's about it. So yeah. who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're in a, they're in a very good position. Uh, they're positioned well. We'll have to see what Bloom does with I, it. I think the, the good part is, too, they have players at the positions that teams look for at the trade deadline. You know, the archetype of player gets traded at the trade deadline relievers they've traded two they have a couple they have one more to trade um platoon bench outfield bats who can play defense and hit and hit really well against lefties or righties they have one of those guys in kevin pilar Mm -hmm. you know corner infielders who rake against a certain side mitch moreland like they have guys who fit the archetype of guys we see traded at the deadline every year yeah the only thing they don't have to move are like starting pitchers but it's like look if mark if perez could net you like if you if you could trade Perez to the Phillies for that deal instead of the two relievers, with the idea being you'd then put the relievers in a different trade, would you do that? Would you trade Perez for Pavetta and Siebold? Consider it, yeah. I would. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like his option next year is what makes him appealing. It's because yeah. it's a club option, I believe. And $6 it is million a club option. Is yeah. For him, uh, yeah, that's he's, he's making it very reasonable. So maybe I mean depending on the return, you know, I could I could definitely see them moving Perez. Exactly. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think I looked at it earlier. He's like he could get them maybe like one sort of, you know, prospect in the area where like a Seabold is looking at trades that were made at the deadline last year. Uh-huh. Um, so who I, knows? I mean, because like I think he's pretty comparable to like what Nate. He could probably get you like a Jalen Beeks type, like what Evaldi was traded for a few years back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, all right, um, Ian, the one thing we need to probably hit real quick, um, the top prospect in the system is playing baseball in a way that we can watch again. Shocker. We Tristan Casas. We did not predict this was going to happen. Yeah, we didn't know anything. <laughs> um, no, Tristan Casas added to the roster when a spot opened up on the club player pool. Uh, he is in Pawtucket. He has worked out, hasn't played in games yet. Looks great. Did you see the yeah, photos? I did. He was playing third base, which I thought was interesting, too. Yeah. He there for, like, seven games last year and they were all at the beginning of the year well no it was like three at the beginning of the beginning of the year and then five mid-year when brandon howlett was hurt and like oh, was that it? jonathan okay. ortega had been their regular third baseman and they said well screw it let's get both granberg and casas on the field by moving casas to third for a week mm-hmm. um but yeah he looked, I mean, he looked in great physical condition hey tristan casas was a start a starting shortstop in the south atlantic league all-star game last year no starting third baseman oh that's what what did i say shortstop he was not a shortstop. I'm sorry. 
that would uh, be impressive. It's late, um, yes. I, yeah, no, it's not surprising. They did it. It makes sense with the timeline. They waited to see what they needed with the pitchers. Once they figured it out and they had the spot, they added him. Very I can see more guys getting added. I agree. Um, I think once it thins out after the deadline, it'll be like that. And I'm interested to see what he does. I mean, you know, it's not ideal viewing conditions, but because they're broadcasting all the games and talking about things like StatCast data or sorry, the TrackMan data and stuff on it, we can you can learn some things. And especially with yeah. like the wide available video from last year, things to compare to. So I'm interested to see if he's made any changes, kind of like Jaron Duran or what the deal mm-hmm. is there. Yeah, and actually Crockett today said that Casas came in and on their um, uh, conditioning tests, he would have been pretty much at or near the top of the class. Uh, Which is great. Cause I know I've, I've definitely heard people have concerns because he has a very unique build. I mean, he's yeah. massive. Yeah, he's like, a big dude. Not he... massive in, t- in terms of tall and long and lanky. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he looks like a lot of the – I mean, baby fat's not the word, but just he looks – Trimmer. He, had a, he, had, he had a youth face. He had a youthful like yeah. disposition. Yeah. Yeah. He he just looks trimmer. He looks like he's, he's been putting in the work. Yeah. He's matured. Yeah. So he looked matured. great. So I'm I'm interested in seeing him hit. I'm interested Definitely. in seeing him field, especially if they're going to try him a third. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Maybe it's Heimblum coming in and saying no, try him a third for a while. Never know. You never know. So I mean, look what happened to Travis Shaw, man. He barely played third base in the minors, and he's played that more than anything else in the majors. Exactly. I do think also with um, Casas it's important that he get this time in because I mean, ideally for me, you would start him in Portland next Portland year in double a agreed. So if, and if he can get, you know, a month plus whatever they do in the fall worth of at bats, I think that helps or raises the possibility of that happening. Yeah. And I could see, you know, there's some, you know, pitching depth guys who are in Pawtucket right now, the Mike Kickhams and RJ Alvarez's of the world <laughs> that I could see being removed from the player pool in order to get like Thaddeus Ward a month. Yeah. Get, you know, Marcus Wilson or Mark, Nick York or yeah, or oh, and actually you know because because I, I you know I asked Crockett today about like I said the guys who aren't there right now and he said there are a few of them who are, they're really happy with and he's like you know you guys aren't getting to see what these guys because we've got guys who are improving right now you mm-hmm. know and and look at for example Connor Siebold he missed most of last year Ian missed with an he injury. threw fifty innings. While he was out, he was working on improving his changeup, and he came back with an above-average to-plus changeup. Yep. You can use this time to do things like pitch editing. Yeah. Add the cutter now. Like, you know, I do that sort of thing. Exactly. And I think that's the thing that's going to separate, you know, player development-wise, uh, the guys who really are committed and those who maybe aren't as much. You mm-hmm. know, we're going to see next year pretty quickly who put the work in this year and who didn't. Yeah. And, and so... Maybe there's a guy for, he mentioned, actually, you know, I said, after he said all that, I was like, is there anyone you want to uh, give DAP to right now who we're not seeing? You feel free to duck the question. And he did. But he said, you know, for example, some of the, he said uh, a bunch of guys who were in short season last year, they're very happy with. Um, mm-hmm. No idea who those guys are. Could be pitch, so guys from the Lowell pitching staff, could be Brainer Bonacci, who knows? Um, you know, could be some of the you know guys who are in the GCL, the shortstop types, Matthew Lugo, maybe. Who knows? Um, but he certainly had guys in mind he didn't want to say. Maybe you bring one of those guys in as a reward. Hey, come to McCoy. We'll work with you for a month. You've done a great job on your own. Exactly. So, or alternatively, maybe you've got a guy who's somewhere where he can't work out somewhere that's got a rap soda and a, and a, um, and a track man. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. We'll keep our eyes peeled. My guess is that happens after the trade deadline. I think you're right. I agree. I think you're right. 
Um, let's get to emails. Yep. Check out the check of the email. All right. Let's look. Uh, our first question comes from Ethan B. Ethan Barry. Ethan says, do you view Jay Groom as an automatic add to the 40-man roster this offseason? With no minor league season, how much he can, can he truly help or hurt himself between now and then, barring injury and assuming he gets added to the player pool? And this was in on July 13th before he had been added to the player pool. So sorry for missing the question in the first case, Ethan. Um, glad we could get to it now at least. He's obviously in the player pool. He's getting added. He's well. He's at least being evaluated. He's getting and added. based on what Paul Abbott look. Paul, I've heard Paul Abbott talk about Jay Groom twice now. Last time I talked about the first time, he gets asked about him each time he's on. He got asked about him again the other day, and he said he was extremely impressed. He was singing a different tune now that he's been able to see him pitch in games. He's getting added. Um, yeah, I, I think he's clearly getting added. Yeah. I think he, you ha- you can't risk it. No, you can't play he, that he game. He would get. He would get. He would be the first pick, and it would not even be a question. Yeah. So I think. I think he's got to get. He's got to get it because you would get some team that would just bring him up and say, "Hey, throw fastball, curveball. We'll figure it out next year." Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting at it. So I, yeah. I, but thanks for the question, Ethan. I think. I think no question. He gets at it at this point. Uh, our next question comes from my slow computer. Um, no, this in, this question is from Brady Andrews. Brady says, hello, I was just wondering if you have any info, what's going on with the MLB, MILB talks. I recently saw something that gets rid of low A and saw you took the Greenville drive off of the projected rosters. That Don't forget into that. Is there anything you know of that you were able to tell me? No, we don't know anything that you don't know. Um, Baseball America is probably the best source to find yeah. that information. Baseball, like J.J. Cooper and them have been all over it. J.J. Cooper's done terrific reporting on that, so check out Baseball America's coverage of this. We don't know anything. I and, think and, and That's like based on reporting. We don't know anything. Right, right. Uh, anything. There is no plan. Um, it's not even clear they're negotiating right now. Like, right. Who knows what's going well, on? Well, they were, they were set to start negotiating again recently, but, I mean, Things are just so wild west on that front reading JJ Cooper's reporting that like teams are talking to independent league teams because they want to have affiliates closer by yeah. like and it makes sense the old system there were things about it that made no sense. Yes. There was always an East Coast team that wound up with this AAA affiliate in like Las Vegas. Nobody yeah. wants that. Literally no one. Have the triple like make it universally that the AAA team is up the road. You don't need like three teams up the road like the Red Sox have, although that's a nice luxury. But make it so that the AAA team is nearby. That makes sense. There's going to be realignment to make teams more geographically close together. They're going to, you know, add a league in what is now low A. The recent reporting said that the, the and this actually made a lot of sense. They might flip low A and high A because the low A like parks are better, the franchises are better. You they know, are. They, it, it, it made sense. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Like Greenville should be Greenville could be like double A, a park. I don't know about triple A, double A, probably not big enough, but double A, yeah, double A, yes, yes, absolutely, and that town could support it too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's you know, I mean, you look at Aberdeen up here. Aberdeen is a New York Penn League park. Uh, what is it? Staten Island's brand new, or yeah, Staten new? Island is the one that was getting moved up. I think. Yeah, because they're brand new. It's yeah. like state of the art facility. Yeah, yeah. Aberdeen's so they're getting moved up to Double A. We both been to Aberdeen. Aberdeen's, Aberdeen's great. great. Love Aberdeen. Yeah. Aberdeen's the best park in my area. But then you look at like 
there are some bad parks in high A. Yeah, there's some. I mean, look at the whole California League. The California League's a joke. Yeah. You know, so, so. I get it. I completely get it. Um, and plus, it was uh, the other thing was that um, it was with uh, like the Northeast. Like they would t- take like full season leagues out of the Northeast, basically, or they might even like split teams between well, that was the, the South and the, the Northeast. They were discussing about not to lose teams is yeah. to combine them with like a Southern affiliate that was getting eliminated with a Northern affiliate that was getting eliminated, and you play like April to June in the South, and then July or June, July, August in the North, like things like that. Note that this was an idea from the owners, not yeah. from MLB. And no, I don't think there's pretty, any way they would do that. No, not a chance. It's pretty clear MLB wants four teams per affiliate. Yep. Or, yeah, for now, at least. Yep. For now. And that's that's the goal. Yep. And I, I could see teams. I mean, look, if the Red Sox lose an affiliate next year, no question in my mind they have two GCL teams. Yeah, they have to. It's just, No there's, question. They, there's there's the just map. too many guys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we don't know. We don't know anything. Um, you know, taking if Greenville off. Was be- about it, yeah, taking Greenville off. Don't read into that. There's, that's an ongoing discussion internally. Um, our next question comes from Rick and Rick says, first off, I'm doing this talks to text cause I'm driving. Da, 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 da. Um, thanks for everything you guys do. Love the show. Love all your breakdowns. You guys are great. Brian Johnson was just released released and our pitching is horrific. I understand he was not on the 40 man. And in order for him to make starts at the major league level, they would have had to release someone in order to activate him. Um, are the people we're throwing out there really that much better than he is? I've always had a soft spot for Brian Johnson. I never thought, the Sox gave him enough of a chance. I remember the game he shut out the Blue Jays, even though the Blue Jays were not very good at the time. He's older now, I understand. He's had a shaky history. Is Zach Godley better than Brian Johnson? Does Bloom just not like his numbers? Please help me understand this thought process here. Thanks again, Rick. Uh, thanks for the email, Rick. Um, first off, has nothing to do with numbers. It has nothing to do with scouting his stat line. Teams don't make decisions like that anymore, at least not good ones. Um, look, I just think the Red Sox didn't like the stuff, Ian. I, I that's, I it was clear he was way down on the depth chart behind any number of guys they brought in this year. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of new shiny toy that I brought in versus the guys who were here. Who are prospect fatigue. There's a little bit. Well, prospect fatigue is what I think I would call it on our side, but they're equivalent, right? Yeah. Um, even the guys that were here saw him last year when, frankly, he wasn't good. He wasn't good last year. He was good in 2018. He was not good last year. I like Brian Johnson a lot as a person. Um, he's a good dude. I'd have given him a shot. I agree. Um, I don't really know why they didn't give him a shot. I don't know that. I mean, look, the reason Kyle Hart gets the shot first is because he's on the 40. Yeah, no question. I, I think to me it was just when they, they took him off the 40 for a reason, and at that point they were still claiming guys they kept adding, and he just, in their eyes internally or for whatever reason, had been passed by other players. But so. look, I mean, you just designated Mike Schwarren for assignment in order to claim, was he the Christian Arroyo? No, claim? wasn't it Triggs? Or, I don't uh, know. He might have been uh, yeah, Andrew Triggs, same difference. I'd rather have Brian Johnson than Andrew Triggs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, it was to claim Triggs. I, oh, no. I would have DFA Schwarren. It was, it, was it was to activate Christian, Christian Arroyo. You're right, okay. actually. All right, yeah, because I think the uh, Gonsalves was Triggs. Stephen Gonsalves. Yeah, right. was. I, I Yeah, I would have given Brian Johnson a shot, I think. It's just a good message to send the guys to you know put the work in. I mean, and this we're assuming he was putting the work in. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. 
Who knows what was happening there? Uh, I do know this wasn't a thing that happened over the course of a couple days. Um, you know, this this is not something that happens that quick. Um, he doesn't strike me as a guy that would just walk off the job. It, it, it's, I'm sure he would have said, you know, please trade me um, or something. Uh, and it just didn't happen. So good luck to Brian Johnson. Um, not a numbers thing. I just think it's, I think what it was is they thought at best he was right about the same with what they had on the 40. And it wasn't worth losing depth to add him but again uh, you're adding andrew triggs uh who's coming off thoracic outlet ian i think i believe so yeah so i would have given him a shot personally i also think it's a small i mean look we say small moves on the margin um i think this is one they got wrong the thing with small moves on the margin is that on their own they don't really kill you um but yeah i would have final question ian comes from chris he says, Chris and <laughs> I don't think I can do this to you. He says, Chris and Matt, just an idea. If you think the podcast is thin and you're searching for additional topics that might be of interest. His, his name's Ian, by the way, Chris. What? He called you. He thought he thinks you're Hegel. Yeah, I'm not talking <laughs> for this question. <laughs> uh, we miss you, Matt. Um, you could talk about the prospects. You think whose development has been most negatively impacted by the loss of the season. I think we've talked about this. Additionally, you could contrast that and discuss anything you think might have benefited from the weird roster structures this year. Jonathan Aruz is obvious to anyone that is listening, so I wouldn't spend a bunch of time talking about him. To me, the benefit of the site and the podcast is the deeper dive that you get from most nearly any other information source. No worries if you guys have a full podcast and this doesn't make the cut. Thanks for making Red Sox prospect following so much more enjoyable. Chris, thanks for the email, Chris. Um, except for the fact that you've deeply hurt Ian's feelings, please apologize. Uh, I can, you can at him on Twitter. It's at Ian Cundall, I A N C U N D A L L. And again, that's at M A T T H U E G E L S P. Um, no, uh, yeah, Ian, sorry. Look, um, we did talk about most negatively impact. Like we we talked about Noah Song, Jay Groom, um, being the least impacted, most impacted by the loss of a season um, benefiting from the weird roster. I, I don't know. It, ben- it doesn't benefit anyone. No. Um, even being at the alternate training site, what's happening now is like the hitters are facing the same pitchers on a five day rotation. The pitchers are facing the same hitters every time out. And we talk about this with the Gulf coast league. When the Red Sox are playing in a four team division, you could look at a guy's game log and see, Oh, this pitcher who's shoving, He's, you know, in 10 outings, he faced this one team that stinks seven times, right? Because that's just what happens with the schedule. With the alternate training site, it's, you don't know how much of it is just like, okay, I've seen this guy every five days for four weeks now. I know what he's throwing. I know what he's working on today because I heard him talking to the pitching coach. You know, it, there's a certain amount of that you can't rely on that anymore. So you're relying on things like StatCast, the, uh, not StatCast, the TrackMan data, things like that. I don't think it benefits anyone. You, you want guys out there getting in games. The types of guys that might benefit Ian is maybe what we were talking about of a guy that wants to add a pitch. Maybe this is a good time, some downtime to do that. Tweak the mechanics, you know, Jaron Duran, you know, changing his pre-pitch approach, changing his stance, lowering the hands significantly. It's a good place to try that without going out there and sucking for three weeks while you get used to it. And now your numbers for the year look worse. Um, so maybe that's it. But the problem is we don't know who those guys are. Um, anything else come to mind for that? I, I just. No, I think you got it all. 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, all right. Well, that's it. We got to run. Thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for the emails again. Podcast at SoxProspects.com. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow him, like I said, at I-A-N-C-U-N-D-A-L-L. Follow me at SP Chris Hatfield. And make sure you follow the site at Sox Prospects. Um, keep your eyes on the news page. Our draft retrospectives roll forward. We're on 2014 this week. If you wanted to skip 2013, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, although James Dunn wrote it, so it's terrific. But, yeah, we're rolling forward with that series. Check that out. Um, Ian, you're, you've got a Seabold scouting report we're going to put up. Are you going to be able to get Pavetta done before you leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll get Nick Pavetta and Connor Seabold scouting reports up on the news page this week. So, Chuck, keep an eye out for that. Um, as always, thanks to Podcast Joe 2.0 for our editing and producing. Thank you to the Ludlow Thieves for our intro and outro music. Thank you to all for listening. For Ian, I'm Chris. We'll be back in your drums soon, my friends. Take care. Stay safe. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.